0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. When you think of a rich person, what comes to mind? If you're picturing an old white man, an Ebenezer Scrooge type, Chicago-based author and wealth expert Sharice and Johnson wants to change that. Her book, A Wealthy Girl, covers seven concrete steps that all women can take toward financial prosperity and personal power. And she joins us now. Hi, Sharice. Welcome to Reset. Hey, Sasha. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Cherise, tell us, what does it mean to be a wealthy girl?
1: Yes. Well, I am a wealthy girl, and I'm claiming it. And what that means is that you embrace the totality, I believe, of, of what wealth affords. And I define wealth as not just the dollars and cents that sit in your bank account, but it's also your intangible assets, That might be your faith, your relationships, the cultural capital that you might have. And so this holistic view of wealth, it's accessible to all, and you don't have to be old, white, male, or rich to to get it.
0: So who's this book for then? Everybody else?
1: This book is for women. This book is for women of color, especially because... Wealth, in defined in that holistic sense, actually gives us freedom and opportunity to expand the traditional definition that has left us out. But it's also for men who want that wealthy girl mindset. Um, I think these steps that I talk about in the book are accessible to all, but obviously uh, particularly for women and women of color that look like me.
0: Well, let's, let's get into it. In the book, you list seven steps, right, that, that people can take toward building wealth. Talk yeah. us through some of those.
1: Sure. One of my favorite steps is building an environment for wealth creation. And what I mean by that is, one, you know, thinking about who around you, which I talk about as your A-team, that could be informal peer groups, mentors, sponsors, a coach, a therapist, and and probably more the obvious one, financial advisor. It's about building the support system, because I believe strongly that wealth isn't an individual pursuit. It's a collective pursuit. And when you think about some of the most wealthiest people, uh, they have people around them that create that environment so that they can have that kind of wealth. Hmm. Another step that I talk about is developing an investor mindset. I want Readers and people to believe that they can be the CEO of their wealth. You might have never owned a business, but I assure you that if you embrace setting the vision, and that's what I mean by being the CEO and still getting that help around you, you will build confidence, you will build the infrastructure, and you know, I talk a lot about allocation strategies. I believe wholeheartedly that budgets are boring. People have a hard time sticking to them. But when you have an investor mindset embracing you as a CEO and taking an allocation approach to using the money, you know, and I and I give very concrete ways of this allocation approach, which I call sipping and living, mm-hmm. saving, investing, paying down and protecting, that really helps you live out that vision. And yeah. then Go one ahead. last step that, you know, I think is really important, at least to talk about now, is, you know, starting a business or supporting entrepreneurs and small businesses around you, uh, particularly, you know, in the last several years, obviously with COVID, pre-COVID, the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs were black females, for instance. And and even now, uh, you know, we're still in COVID, but entrepreneurship households are, have five times the median in terms of net worth than non-entrepreneur households. So entrepreneurship as a way to build wealth and wealth for your family can be very powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, historically, I wonder what you would say kept people who don't fit that stereotypical description you talked about, right, of, of being older, uh, white, male. What kept them from being, uh, from building wealth? Sure. I think that question
1: gets us to some of the data that I'm I'm sure people have seen and heard. Right, right now in our country, we have a wealth gap uh, based on race and ethnicity. Uh, White households have seven, about ten times uh, more wealth than their white counterparts. Excuse me, their black counterparts, and. One of the biggest reasons for that, though, is that there have been systemic and structural inequities that have kept people of color relative to their white counterparts locked out that comes in through well-documented in, in housing, uh, discrimination practices, uh, and who was able to get loans to get you know, their business off the ground or to scale them. And so it's hard to measure our own wealth by a standard that really never had us in mind in the first place. And so that's why I, I argue that we shouldn't use that definition of wealth as the only standard to measure our wealth. We are so much more than that, uh, but some of the the gap in that you know wealth disparity that exists today mm-hmm. can be traced back to constitutional policies that, that have locked certain groups, particularly those of color, out of the equation.
0: Yeah, I heard you mention before, not in so many words but it, you know part of it is a, a who you know situation right
1: yes 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 and that network those relationships that intangible way in which you know you go about the world is so important for for that wealth and we can learn so much from each other you know one of the things i talk about as well is is leveraging the the power of of what I call being a girl. I mean, a lot of times girls, and this is, this isn't a stereotype. This is some of the data that has supported, you know, utilize their power of connection and community to advance goals. And I believe that we can, you know, set up structures like wealth circles, which I talk about a lot in the book, which is, you know, eight to 10 people that can share their wealth goals and leverage all of their individual talents to actually pursue, each other's wealth goals and that that's really important
0: you've said quote in your book there's nothing as powerful as a girl with a a mind for money coupled with a purpose that lives way beyond the money talk about that
1: absolutely that really gets to the title of my book you know it's seven steps to prosperity which in in many terms is, is really the financial piece Uh, that that we often think about when we think about money and wealth or, you know, richness. But but I also talk about the peace and personal power that comes beyond the money. Because I think when you think about it, truly what is wealth? (laughs) Wealth and why do people want it? And in all of my sessions and workshops and financial advising, you know, in my earlier days to people, people want freedom. They want opportunity. They want the peace of mind that comes from security mm-hmm. of having the ability and the opportunity to to go after their dreams, to, to live those out. And that, that actually gives people that personal power to say no. That gives people the personal power to say yes when they want to, uh, but also the peace of mind uh, that 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 relates to, yeah. you know, why you're here on this earth anyway.
0: Well, yeah, you know... Sharice, when you look up the very definition of wealth, right, the Oxford Dictionary says, you know, an abundance of valuable possessions or money, the state of being rich, material uh-huh. prosperity, uh-huh. plentiful supplies. You know, it's all material, material, material. I love that you talk about redefining wealth beyond finances and pursuing, uh, you write about holistic health, in the wh- holistic wealth, rather, in the book.
1: That's exactly right. And that's why it's so important for us to focus on the totality uh, because, you know, I think about my young daughter who will be three this year. And there there isn't a price tag on her life, right? Like no one can give me a price tag that values who she is and what she means to our family. And I, I would argue that many people feel that way about important people in their life and those relationships. And that's why it's so important, I think, to, to strip away that traditional definition and reimagine a definition and, and live into, because that, that's what I want people to do in reading the book, uh, a definition that honors their well-being, their health, that honors their faith, right? I'm a person of faith, and whatever faith you believe in, that's so important to your purpose in life and what you are, you know, in my vernacular, called to do. And so I believe it's it's so important uh, to have this holistic definition, and again, particularly for people of color who who've been locked out of that traditional definition, it just it just never had us in mind in the first place.
0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're talking with Chicago-based wealth expert and author Sharice Conan and Johnson about redefining wealth and helping women pursue it. Um, let's talk a bit more about you, Sharice. You started to tell us a little bit there, but you are originally from Long Island. You studied economics at Yale University, what is it that first drew you to the finance industry?
1: I love this question because a lot of what I do today was really, you know, influenced by that time at Yale where going to classes every day in New Haven, if you've been there, you know that outside of Yale's walls is a very low-income poverty-stricken community and that disparity just didn't sit well with me. And yes, I got my a great education and I come from, you know, blue-collar family in Long Island. My mom's a te- my mom is a nurse and my dad's a teacher and I wondered how, how how does an institution have this much wealth and how do some of the people that go here have like eons of money beyond what we knew growing up, but I didn't think that I was less than and so that's actually what drove me to Wall Street. I started my career after Yale at J.P. Morgan wanting to get a glimpse and wanting to learn the skill set of this flow of money because mm-hmm. I was taught early you follow the flow of money, you follow what's important to people, and you follow what they value. And so I, I went to J.P. Morgan and learned how to invest in the U.S. stock market and spent you know, my time there making uh Decisions on what stocks people should buy and the portfolios of multi million dollar organizations. And that gave me a toolkit to, to further understand how to create wealth and, and actually have the skill set to do so.
0: And at, and at JP Morgan, a, you were eventually managing yep. $10 billion in assets, right?
1: Yes. What was yes, that like? Yes. I was part of the portfolio team, and $10 billion was was the, the number of assets, and there were seven of us on that team. And so my carve out of that portfolio was just under two billion, but that was obviously a lot of responsibility for a 27, 28 year old, and who was a vice president by the you know five years. And so, too much is given, much is expected, and eventually that environment, I didn't see myself in that environment because it was very homogeneous, and I didn't really feel like I fit. And I I wanted to do more, mm-hmm. right? Not just do it for the clients, but back in the communities that look like me, back for young people who didn't have this access. And that that took me out of Wall Street, and that's when I moved to Chicago.
0: You then decided to go back to school. You studied entrepreneurship at the University of Chicago. Why? Because
1: when I was in Wall Street, I realized investing in public companies, that wasn't the only way (laughs) to grow, you know, dollars and cents. There are other ways, and usually that happens with private companies. You know, not as many come public, but you can still generate a lot of wealth from private companies. And that starts with a few people typically or one person with an idea and a desire to build something from nothing. And that's why I decided to study entrepreneurship uh, for also the freedom and opportunity and, and lack of restraint around developing solutions and for me the solution that I wanted to develop was around personal finances I wanted to take all of what I had learned at JP Morgan and make a financial technology platform that actually provided access and opportunity to to young people coming out of college or perhaps they didn't go to college but wanted to save and invest so that is what drew me to entrepreneurship in general Uh, recognizing that that was another lever.
0: Well, in the seconds we have left here, Sharice, I wonder if you'd give advice to any Chicagoans listening right now who, who might want to start their own business. What do you say?
1: If you want to start your own business, I want to say define why you want to do that for yourself. It's super important to understand why you're going down that path. I'm making a claim that It can be a very liberating path, but also one that can generate the kind of wealth that you want financially, but also uh, in a non-financial sense from that independence and freedom. And so if you're going to do that, make sure you surround yourself with the right resources of mentors who can help you in that journey Mm -hmm. uh, and get access to the capital that you need and the planning that you need to be successful.
0: That's Sharice Conan & Johnson, Chicago-based wealth expert, entrepreneur, and author. You can actually meet Sharice on Saturday in the Chatham neighborhood. She'll be at the Whitney M. Young Jr. branch of Chicago Public Library. She'll be there from 3 to 4.30 p.m. to talk about the book, A Wealthy Girl, Seven Steps to Prosperity, Peace, and Personal Power. Sharice, thanks so much for making the time. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.